0: Welcome to The Mushroom's Apprentice. I'm your host, Shona Home. Today, I want to talk about a very insidious kind of sorcery, and that is propaganda and mind control. And I always say that the initiate of the mysteries must be able to recognize the false narrative that captivates the many, and we will discuss that in great depth today. My guests are very dear friends and wise elders from whom I have learned so much. We have monthly Zoom dinners together mm-hmm. where we will talk for sometimes four hours at a stretch, <laughs> and it is one of my great joys. Chris and Steve Crimmy are into their fourth decade of marriage They received a classically oriented spiritual education at Yoga Anand Ashram on Long Island under the guidance of Gurani Anjali, where they studied both Indian and Western philosophy and practice for a decade. Chris worked in three major psychiatric hospitals on Long Island, where she headed up a horticultural therapy program at King's Park. After which they moved to the mountains of Western North Carolina, where they ran biodynamic Philosophy Farm for 11 years. The publishing arm of the farm became Logo Sophia LLC in 2008, which has now published nearly 30 books in the realms of practical spirituality. When not in her garden, Chris paints and makes repurposed folk art, which can be found on Etsy and Fine Art America, and I will have links for that below. Steve is finishing up his second book, Hermes Runs the Game, and running Logo Sophia. His first book, Catabatic Wind, Good Crake Fueled by Fumes from the Abyss, was published in 2016 and is now available from LogoSophiaBooks.com. They have been fortunate to have studied sacred geometry with renowned British architect Keith Critchlow, pre-Socratic wisdom with Peter and Maria Kingsley, and they treasure most of all their lifelong friendship with Jean Kelly, Yogi Ananda Viraj, their yogic philosopher teacher, whose embodied knowledge shines through in their podcast series on YouTube, and informs their progression through this world. Their YouTube channel is called Good Craic, C-R-A-I-C, where they enjoyed extended conversations with Jean from the deep end of the pool. You can also find the crimmies on Robert Phoenix's Friday Farcast by typing into YouTube Steve and Chris K-R-Y-S. CRIMI, C R I M I, Friday Forecast. They did a number of absolutely superb presentations with Robert on a wide variety of very relevant topics. Welcome, Chris and Steve. Oh, thank you, Shona. Wow. That was
1: lovely. Thank you, Shona. You said yeah. it
0: so well.
1: <laughs> I'm exhausted yeah.
2: listening to all that.
1: <laughs> oh, boy. Here we well, are in the so- playground. Yay.
0: Uh, yeah, it's quite the playground. Lots of schoolyard bullies running around this playground. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah.
2: Well,
1: you know, <laughs> Steve, Steve grew up in New York. He knows about bullies and how to handle them.
2: Well, it's one thing you learn growing up, growing up on the streets of uh, New York City is a uh, uh, sort of, you know, navigation, you know, and you, you, there's something that, you know, kids who just have, you know, scheduled play groups and things like that, right? They don't they don't develop certain skills that you know you would have to say, I have to look three blocks down the road. All right, I'm whatever, 12, 13, and there's three 16-year-olds. I know at, at that age, you know you can't handle people three years older than you. So you know early enough to cross the street and walk on the other side of the street because you know they're going to be too lazy to cross the street to to bother with you. But if you're crossing in front of them. So these are certain, you know, navigational skills that you, you know, you develop. Um, that I think are lost on a lot of levels. And there's
1: um, even a Yoga Sutra that a- right. addresses that. Right. Uh, in the Sanskrit, it's Hayam, Dukam, and Nagatam. And dukam is dukkha or dissatisfaction. Or suffering. Or suffering. And it's the suffering of the future that is to be avoided.
3: Wow. Okay. And it's so
1: succinctly told in that Yoga Sutra. I love the sutras and in the commentaries they they just explain well you know the past you can't change it's the past the present is or is occurring so you can't really do it's it's already in
2: motion the suffering of the present present
1: and the future is yet to be determined and it's determined by your action in the present so it's the suffering of the future that that is to be avoided can be and is to be avoided now by what your actions and your intentions and your attitudes and your understandings are in this full fully fleshed out present that is the container for the past and the future okay well all that in one little sutra which which that word is cognate with suture Thread. It means
2: a thread. Ah, it's thread. Of and you can see that everything that's happening now from everywhere are all various factions attempting to control the future, all right? And, and you know, and um, you know, it's even the recent um, World Economic Forum. You know, they're mastering the future, right? That's their. That was the phrase that came out of it. They're 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 actually the most explicit of of everyone. So there you have one future um, in mind for us. Um, we have a number of new age friends who you know, will just you know just imagine it and it will will happen. So that's their that's their you know, their future. Let's just sit together and you know imagine you know, um, you know the, uh, what a wonderful world could be, right? So that's one You've got Daniel Pinchbeck, famous uh, um, okay. psychonaut, um and em- em- emphasis on not. Um, he, um, you know, he has a whole thing, he's envisioning the future saying what's happening now is this great, you know, guy initiation, you know, well, the friggin' mother doesn't need to be initiated, right, um, she's kind of past that. Um, so, you know, we have all these, all these factions, everyone's trying to control the future. And as one of the things we went through when we were working with Peter Maria Kingsley is, is that the, um, Everybody who who's who's claiming to envision this great future on any level, right? They're doing nothing but bringing the past with them, and they're just going to regurgitate what's already happened because they're incapable of doing anything else. So the future is a huge issue, and and everything that we're talking about, uh, you know, relates to it. Mm-hmm. Um, but as Gurdjieff said, G.I. Gurdjieff, uh, mystic from uh, from Eastern what's now Eastern Turkey. Said, you know, take care of the present, and the future will take care of itself. Yeah. So that's the Hindu monastic. Exactly. That's
0: that's like pure common sense, really. When you think it should should be be, right,
1: that's why I love the yoga system because it's like it's like taking the human experience and putting it under a microscope, so you see how it ticks. It's like a fine Swiss watchmaker with his ocular device looking at the smallest moving pieces to see how does this all hang together what is the mechanism that what is the blueprint that is fleshed out in our lives so if we understand that scaffolding then we know how to move through the world
0: and right how we move with right action uh huh. Uh huh. Well, you guys have at it. Where do you want to begin? This and, is... that's, the, and
2: that's a goddess for the Greeks, Metis, or Metis, Midis. M-E-T-I-S, Midis. Uh-huh. e with the circumflex over it. Um, and she is a goddess, and in fact, she is she is the mother of of Athena. The people remember Athena being born from from the uh, from the skull of Zeus of Zeus Zeus. <laughs> Zeus. And um, you know, the, the, the ultimate migraine headache. And yeah. and she comes out in full armor, uh, Athena does, but no one remembers the fact that he had actually swallowed the goddess Medus because of a prophecy saying he was going to be usurped. And um she births and creates Athena fully clad in armor within Zeus. And then after Athena's born, she Decides to stay inside Zeus to be his um, to guide him,
1: like a daemon, to help
2: guide him. Yeah, just to be an, an internal barometer of, of what mm-hmm. to do. So it's all you know. So it's all very interesting.
1: But more about Metis, because it well, really no one seems to be aware of the word, and we did learn it from the Kingsleys, and it is this delightfully playful and cunning. Yeah. Mechanisms.
2: Yeah, yeah my defi- Yeah, I define it as navigational cunning, so that uh, that we you need to operate, especially in this world, um, you know. So uh, Odysseus in the uh, Homeric epic, The Odyssey, uh, is the is the poster boy for for uh, for Medus n- navigating all these crazy waters, the rocks clashing together, and all the all the adventures. Um, I highly recommend The Odyssey for anyone who reads because. Every story that you ever come across in every mi- movie, every science fiction movie, everything is already there in the Odyssey. It's so astonishing. I, I
1: think it would be wise to say that metis should be a word that is on everyone's lips and, and their understanding. It needs to come into our lexicon because that's how we're gonna make it through this clash of the Titans. That's what's going on and we are, Odysseus, we are in the waters and the, and the rocks are falling on our heads and all around us. And people are dying, people who we know and treasure and love. And how do you get through all that and still have maintain your integrity? How do you not lose your integrity? How do you not lose your, your vision of this path, this uh, straight and narrow path? that you have to stay on, otherwise you'll fall to the left or the right into the, into the waters. But Metis is cunning. And sometimes it's like, well, that's why Steve's book, Hermes Runs the Game, the one that he's working on now. Hermes is really a god of Metis. He's he's always, go ahead, he's the trickster. And he'll use any means, good, bad, or indifferent, to get to his goal. Go ahead and say well, well, a little about- Well, that's part
2: of it. Go ahead. Yeah. Well, the book is is just looking at Hermes invents the uh, the ancient Greek sacrifice. And in one of the stories, there are two main stories. But the, what has been going on to us, so you, you started off talking about this being a magic spell, right? So the book is more or less, how do you get to the magic? How do you understand that this is a magic spell? How do you understand that the, because the structure of spells, whether positive or negative is the same. Right, And they're all almost all linguistic in a certain way. Incantations. Incantations, chants, and they're all they all work on that methodology, right? So you know whether you're Alistair Crowley or whether you're an ancient Vedic seer or a Celtic bard, who they're they're always always chanting a world into existence. So what is that world that's being chanted into existence? Well, the fact is that we have a specific world that's being chanted into existence for us every day. Right by these these specific entities, we'll start there, um, who are, are detrimental to to um, human development, human enjoyment, human love, huge just humanness, just becoming humans. You know, we're not even friggin' humans anymore. You know, so this book really is gets into I, I, in looking at that through the lens of the ancient Greek sacrifice. And how that has been inverted, and especially and it just follows the steps of COVID, uh, the COVID uh, debacle Mm -hmm. um, into how each step, you know, like the uh, the opening prayer was event two oh one, where they where they made incanted what they were about to do, right? And then if you remember, right at the beginning, um, there was the the ablution. Right. And ablution is the washing before you begin the ritual. Right. And remember the first thing we all heard wash your hands, wash yeah. your hands. Right. Right. So, and so I'm saying it maps really beautifully on and sometimes not too beautifully. So, anyway, I'm, I'm getting near to the end of that, but that just gives you an example of, of how that works and how it's an inversion. So, you're not washing your hands with water, but everywhere there those little pump jars of these awful chemicals that get into everybody's system. And uh, you know are are extremely detrimental. So again, so it's an inversion. It wasn't just washing your hands, but it was you know actually dirtying your hands with chemicals,
1: nanoparticles too. I'm sure. So
2: um, yeah, so that's that, that's that's kind of a, a a quick synopsis of the book. Um, so. And and then so and I get into how, what what is the original sacrifice? What is a sacrifice? What is the incantation of a sacrifice? Things like that and how that works, because so everything that's been going on has been particular incantations, a controlling of language, controlling. So um, you got if you got something specific, I can just well. I was bounce just going to say, say that we
1: have a tendency to believe that myth is something that's a confabulation and that it's relegated to ancient history mm-hmm. and it has nothing to do with us it's quaint like george bush said the constitution was a quaint uh, piece of
3: mm-hmm. so
1: you know i think it's really important to revivify the understanding of what mythology is and how it's a living being it is it mm-hmm. breathes us we are being breathed by stories. We need stories as human beings. That's why they want to separate us, so that we can't speak to one another and tell the stories.
0: Yes. Go ahead. They've taken over the storytelling for us, though, with Hollywood. Mm-hmm. Yes. And, and Holly being the wood used to make the sorcerer's wand. So mm-hmm. I, I cannot... I stopped, I mean, I've never been a television person anyway, but I stopped watching movies years ago because I could see the social engineering. And I was like, can we just watch a fantastic story without you sneaking in your ideologies and everything else that you want me to to think and feel, for God's sake? So Mm -hmm. I just was so disgusted. But this is, so it's used, it's propagandized, it's weaponized. So we have kind of a modern day mythology utterly well inverted again instead of structure is there right but it's not being used to uplift and and open the mind and and uh inspire excellence on on the contrary it's used to you know i mean just have culture circling the toilet
3: yeah yeah right i used
1: to say that you're either practicing yoga or you're practicing the clashes which are the afflictions Mm-hmm. so you you know you're and that's the same thing as saying it's all an in, in inversion
3: right
1: right so you either if you're practicing yoga you're going toward knowledge and understanding gnosis and if you're practicing the kleshas or the afflictions you're going toward ignorance
3: mm-hmm.
1: and ignorance not in stupidity and i think most people understand that now but toward not knowing correct
0: know, that's better. yeah that's why knowledge is power yes. true knowledge not trivial stuff but like actual yeah,
2: knowledge yeah. that's what you can say well i was going i was going to start off talking about the, the hope so the current iteration of the propaganda system yeah um more or less begins with this group called the pilgrim society this is around 1903 or so and what has happened is that the so i'm going to give you the mythology of the <laughs> of, of the uh, of the propaganda um so What's happened by by around this time? The British realize that their their empire is for Stunken, that they don't have they don't have they don't have the ability anymore. They know everyone is sort of pulling out, and they realize that that we are going to be it, right? Which certainly, but during the course of the 20th century, happens the United States being we, um, and what the British decided so the best way to maintain. Their empiric status is to is to control us. so the the Pilgrim Society is formed, and you know, today a lot of people have noticed the fact that you know used to be the CIA would run in the background. But now the CIA is overt. You have John Brennan, you know, as a as a paid commentator on CNN and you know all these things. You have CIA spooks running for Congress one after another, right? It used to be, you know, and, um, you know, you have- um, the secret space program. Yeah, the CIA running the Washington Post, you, you know, used to be, what's that? They're in the psychedelic world as well, CIA. Oh, oh completely, yeah. completely. That they was a, are the psychedelic. That was a, world. That was a complete op, <laughs> right? Oh, no. And that's, a, and again, that's that's a Tavistock, who we're gonna talk about, the Pilgrim Society, the, the, the Frankfurt,
1: Frankfurt. Frankfurt
2: School of Social Research. And Tavistock. So those are three things. The more Columbus or, Columbus or Columbus. less, um, the Frankfurt School is the intellectual arm, and the Tavistock is the operative arm of, of the same uh, the same octopus, same squid. so um so so what what one of the things that that the Pilgrim Society did was they married journalists to spies, to the intelligence which makes sense so so the fact is that so the, so the, so the journalism and intelligence has always been wed this is just it's just become overt now where they're just out in front of the camera
1: so yeah so who better to to form uh, an intelligence agency than journalists who are embedded all around the world right And so that is the perfect unholy alliance.
2: Right. At this point, you know, you're able to wire stories back and forth, you know. So the British crown and they -hmm. they developed this as this is sort of a a UK-USA friendship society. And, you know, they would give. So every every ambassador to to England is automatically brought into the Pilgrim Society. Mm -hmm. It's like their little club. And it's mostly, of course, it's mostly various royals and and heads of news agencies that are involved in this. And it still exists. And they still and they give out little awards for Americans because you know they don't get they don't get to get knighted and all these wonderful things that you can get in England. You know, by being Jimmy Savile, for example, um, <laughs> who was knighted. Um, yep. So 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 anyway, so this is kind of the the origins of this sort of. Um, you know, propaganda. And then what happens in World War One uh, is that they have all these, this, the term shell shots. Shell. Because by this time, the munitions had developed to such a stage that, that the humans couldn't handle. It's not like swords, it's even civil war, you know, reloading guns or anything like that. It became much more mechanized, much more fierce, much more horrific. So people, we're just breaking apart, mm. and so and um, they said,
1: "Oh, look, an opportunity!" Oh, so
2: people like um, General, the <laughs> uh, um, British G- Brigadier General Reeves, Rees, R um, E E S, what is it? E on the end, R E E S E. Is it okay? E? Um, Rees. I it was an S. Anyway, he um, so they start studying these people who've been broken apart, and not you know under the guise uh, everything comes in under the guise of healing, right? We want to. You know, we want to hook up your brain to a computer, you know, so that you can smell better or whatever. You know, you never could, you know, see whatever. These are all laudable things, but that's that's how they always bring it in under health, as you probably I'm sure you're well aware. Of, course.
0: of Or for the greater good.
2: Yes. Right. Yes. So which is always a health benefit, right? So they so they found that these shattered individuals, they started studying them. Eventually this goes leads into what happened in Germany in World War II and and in the basic um, uh, um, and, MK Ultra and Korea in Korea also the Manchurian candidate type thing right so you were able to if you were able to fracture the mind you were able to manipulate aspects of it right and then it got refined uh, especially after when the foundation of the CIA in 46 it got refined to the point where they could program various of these splits or called alters of the personality now again to get back to the inversion of the sacred they in the in the say for example the renaissance and all the ancient all the ancient peoples the celtic bards they had more than prodigious memories memories that we can't even imagine mm-hmm, having mm-hmm. right you know they would just have encyclopedic knowledge within themselves what they would do, they would, in in ancient Greece, it was called the memory theater. Whereas, so if you were looking at, a, at like a theater with the steps down the, maybe say two sets of steps and then three sets uh, uh, of stairs, of our uh, seats, right? Now you would compartmentalize each of those sections into say a play, right? Same thing happened in Shakespearean times. You would take the globe theater and each aspect of the theater would have a play because you know the king or or whomever would say you know I want to see this play tonight well you had to have that play right you didn't have to you couldn't rehearse or you could rehearse briefly but in other words you had to know the lines right, right. so you fragmented yourself purposefully you fragmented yourself right. purposefully into these theaters or you know or into these stairways where each of these Things would would represent, and then there would be like a, a some sort of key to unlock it and it was a whole you know it was mnemonic, a whole system a
0: mnemonic system
2: yeah but it was a way of storing an immense amount of knowledge right does that make sense
0: yes absolutely yeah
2: so Perfect. that gets inverted into mm-hmm. mk ultra whereas mm-hmm. they fracture you and put in what you and you don't even know it's there
0: mm-hmm. right and through trauma yes. through trauma, yes.
2: through trauma. Yes. Yes. right
1: and now through chemical drugs. So,
2: and this is, and this, of course, as our author Lisa E. in her recent book has been talking about, and this is all writ large right now. So, um, do you want to you want to talk about World War um, One and uh, or the Soviet Union? You want to take that part of the story because I'm I could go on all day.
1: What would the Soviet Union, look
2: part? Well, how 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 uh, the Frankfurt School came out of.
1: Oh, with out, the of the, out of the Bolshevik
2: Revolution, so
1: so there was a faction in in the Bolshevik Re- Revolution where these people were just then after the war they came into Germany. Am I getting that right? Well, they and, wanted
2: to expand the revolution, right? They thought it would be they thought it would be everywhere. The Marxists, they thought that so they
1: just thought everyone would think this was a great way to structure your society. So be, they ended up going into Frankfurt, Germany with these ideas. And they established the uh, Frankfurt School for Social Research. And that's really where it starts to, the seed is cracked open for this idea that you can manipulate the human mind. And from there, it goes over to England. Well,
2: first go to Hungary. Wanna go to Hungary first?
1: Okay, so Lukács. Yeah, so there's um, a guy Gior- named
2: Georgi Lukács.
1: Georgi Lukács. Or George Lucas. Or George Lucas <laughs> um, is one of these promulgators. And he decides he's gonna go into Hungary uh, with the, uh, was he like the education minister? Right, and he, he was And he Hungary. was going to implement these programs, which you will recognize today, going in and teaching young, little young ones all about sex and how to have uh, aberrant sex and masturbation and when this is like five six seven year olds and the Hungarians were a gas
2: destroying the family I mean everything that's been coming out
1: critical race theory right. so they kicked him out after three months they had the presence of mind and the integrity to kick him out of the country Wow but he ends up going back over to I guess he went to England and
2: well, he he joined the, the then then he joined the the, the group this because um, some some very rich person in Germany uh, or who or who inherited a whole bunch of money well, and his name I don't remember but he he gave them he like a building banked and bankrolled the Frankfurt School so all these thinkers started uh, amalgamating around here.
1: Then they're in Germany, but then when Hitler is coming into power. And it's obvious that he's going after the Jewish population. All of this group was Jewish. And so they fled to Germany. And they went to England, where they started then the what was called the Wellington House, which morphed then into the Tavistock Institute. And that's where the the real detrimental beings come into play. So they started studying these people who had been through the Korean War and their minds had been fractured by torture. And they said, oh, there's something there that we can use. We can use that mechanism and to see how we can control first the individual and then, oh, if you can control the individual through trauma-based mind control, then let's expand that out to entire populations. So that's where Tavistock starts to gather all its dark forces, and they get involved with Sigmund Freud and psychology. Right.
3: So that's Can the I ask
0: quick? so why, why exactly did, so it was the people of the Frankfurt School, they ended up in England.
2: And then, yeah, but briefly, and then brought over by the Rockefeller right, so Foundation.
0: To the, U, to the U.S. To Columbia
2: University, right. Sorry.
0: Right. So I mean, at the end of the day, though, like, what was their motivation? Because this is very diabolical.
2: It you is diabolical, right, and they so, have
1: their own vision of utopia.
2: Right. So they they came to the conclusion, <laughs> right? It, Marxist revolution didn't work. Why didn't it work? Well, it's because because um, capitalists were duped into enjoying their life under capitalism. <laughs> right. And so obviously they don't understand this this greater Marxist. Happiness. Thing that they that they have, so they they formed the the Frankfurt School, and then uh, so this, especially this guy named Horkheimer, they decided well Marxism because Marxism is um is you know called sometimes called dialectical materialism, but it's about the oppressor and the oppressed, and you know the revolt of the masses and the workers and all that, right? What they they when they realized the workers were okay working in America at least, you know, and and getting something for it. They um they uh, they changed and they wedded Freudian theory to Marxism. And let's, col- let's
0: quickly say that Freud hated people.
2: Oh yes, and, and himself, yes. I'm sure. Um, he he obviously is a miserable cur. And mm-hmm. his nephew Edward Bernays, who is like the job of the HUD of a of propagandist entire
1: show just um, Edward Bernays. is
2: is who who salvaged Freud he's the one that you know he could he's like like remember the far there was like a far, far side used to do cartoons I don't know if he still does yeah, yeah.
3: Uh-huh. right
2: so there's one like you know um this guy on a on a, on a little floating piece of ice you know with a refrigerator. You know, and you know, uh, like Ed Jones, King of the Salesman. You know, he's selling refrigerators to the Eskimos. Oh, all right. This wow. is Edward Bernays, B E R N A Y S. The uh, Bernays
0: also hated people, and he referred to people as stupid dopes. Mm-hmm. And he, he changed the word propaganda to public relations.
2: Yes, wow. and he creates. Well, we're off in this tangent, so he creates um, the culture of consumption. Yes. Whereas you only bought up until that point, you only just bought stuff. I need a new shirt. I uh, look at through the old Sears and Roebuck went back uh, catalog and whatever, find a shirt, go to the store down, you know, wherever, you know, I need a plow, whatever, you know, the, you, you bought things because you needed them. So he's, he brought in even the, the fact of, of buying things that you don't need and, and then attaching your self-worth to what you have bought and the quality of what you bought, et cetera, et cetera. He got mm-hmm. women to smoke. He mm-hmm. got um he got in the water. Um in the fluoride. Water. He got fluoride fluoride. Fluoride in the water. In the water. He yeah. sold he sold that. He sold that. So putting poison in the water. So that's how good he was at what he did. And talk how, about a sorcerer. You know, but you only do that when you got the backing of the of the head sorcerers. Well, the-
0: he started doing propaganda in World War One. And he did very yes. Very well with that. So he already had friends in high places, and he realized, you know what? If this works in wartime, this will work in peacetime. Right. Yes, right. Yes.
2: He was he was part of the Wellington. Sorry. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, no, Go ahead.
0: no, no, no. I was just saying he he studied advertising and also read everything that Uncle Sigmund wrote.
2: Mm-hmm. Freud mm-hmm. was he
0: also
1: saved Sigmund's butt financially. He was on the skids financially, and Bernays said, "Well, come over to America." and I'll support you in whatever you're doing. And and that's how he kept going until oh, he yes. got back on his feet again.
0: Yeah, he used all his connections to promote Freud until Freud's name was on the lips of every intellectual, of right. ev- everyone and anyone.
2: Yeah, so, yeah. yeah, so Bernays was part, well, I don't know if he was one of the founders, but he was part of the Wellington House, which was what it was called um, prior. until uh, prior to when. It, officially became the Tavistock Institute. So the one sort of morphed into the other. So Bernays is, is, is foundational in, in all this. craft. And
1: Freud. And Carl Jung was uh, involved there on some Carl level. Carl Jung was
2: involved with Tavistock. All.
1: not really clear on how much. And but... in
2: America and in there, and, and so their idea, so one of their main goals was to get people interested in going to war so before world war 1 and of course here before world war II, he was hired by um by the fdr administration right um in order to propagandize to get people interested in going to world war 2 so so the uh the the uh, loosh lovers whoever they may be bless their non souls um were you know that's always what they want because you know that's you get your most loose for for time period in a war oh you know so um yeah so Bernays, every Bernays is what's it the minds of men is uh yes. is a really depressing movie if you've got you know not, if you got I, a couple of like a bottle of scotch or something to to make it through <laughs> yeah,
1: it was on youtube i you could look and see if it's still there yeah, but it's so. quite long and i don't think we ever finished it
0: I, like, no to one go ever back finishes do it. a revisit but well, that's he also- he wrote propaganda in 1928, which mm. should be required reading for every student. Of course, mm. no student has even heard of Bernays. Right. But that book is the blueprint for how yeah. to do this. And I want people listening to understand what we're talking about. We're talking about your opinions have been put in your head. Yes. By these people, your right. desires have been put right. in you by
1: these people.
2: Yes. And and these when are, you hear
1: the words come out of your mouth, you know they're not your own.
2: Yeah. So these so these Frankfurt School comes over to the U.S. via the Rockefeller Foundation. They go to Columbia. So in, in the in in the uh, when Hitler comes to power, and they're German and Eastern European, um, they all come over, and uh, so they get and they all magically get get uh, because the sociology department at Columbia wasn't really a thing so they brought these over and created the sociology department there
1: right and there was a program to bring in german refugees uh scholastic refugees and that's how a lot of these people came in through henry kissinger and he came in through who was the person who brought him in
2: kissinger yes kissinger was a protege of this guy Rees we talked about who was the founder of the wellington house and tavistock so he's the one that brought kissinger in that's got to be around this same time because Christenj like you know whatever ninety eight or yeah, something. If 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 it's if, you know whatever. Right. <laughs> I, I so. was trying to count it in human years, but never mind. Okay. Um, he uh, anyway. So um, so 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 what they form and it's and then and then they they really get ingrained into academia. They couple in a generation, they've got students you know who are all studying this stuff. And um, one of the the big ones is a and was it Horkheimer? Someone someone developed something called critical theory. Now everything you hear of now is a variant of critical theory. Critical race theory is the most famous one right now. The um, um, the other one that they call the link was it called not the Lincoln Project or something like that. You know, where, where they're reimagining you know the whole slavery thing. Um, it's it's you know it, it, what they so. In a nutshell, critical theory, and this was, you know, when I was back in college, though it wasn't really big in my college, you tear down everything except critical theory. So the whole point, you just sit there and criticize. Yeah, you you know, I can sit there and, and come up with lots of criticism of capitalism, right? You know, if I want to, but you're not allowed to criticize, and this is coming straight from Marx, you're not allowed to criticize Marxist theory. Right, you can criticize anything but critical theory, right? So it's a wonderful, it's a wonderful system. works Works well in a marriage, too. <laughs> so, 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 so this is the the main, and as this, this goes on, and so this is the main weapon that they have used, right? So, as you say, so like critical race theory, so they'll tell you, they'll set, they'll they'll set the presuppositions, and you can't criticize them. You know, so that, you know, so the, so the presupposition of critical race theory is something like, you know, all white people are racist. You know, and the, so then everything follows that. Well, you can't criticize their their main presupposition that all white people are racist. So because if you criticize that, the whole freaking thing falls apart. It's just, you know, you know, it's just it's just it's just, um, it's just a, 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 a piece of logical crap. Mm-hmm. You know, exactly. um you know, they're all houses of cards, and the, you know once you examine the presuppositions, the presuppositions of marxism of 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 all this stuff,
1: so you can really see how it plays out in society today, where everything is torn down. So the church has been destroyed from within, yes, and that's another whole, another whole show, yes, it is. and marriage, the nuclear family, um. Mm-hmm
0: heterosexuality
1: mm-hmm. homosexuality <laughs> well, yes, linguistics yes. art
3: mm-hmm.
1: you yeah. know they brought yes. in um abstract art and atonal music so a mm-hmm. man by the name of right. Theodore Adorno his his contribution was atonal music
0: could you list you gave a list in one of the shows with Robert do you have that list handy or I can look for it, of, it. of what Oh, of, the, uh,
2: of the, what they've attacked yeah yeah or is really interesting because uh the, yes they have they had a, a series of strategies to take down everything oh right? the bullet points is yeah. that
0: what you're looking for yeah. yes and the thing is you listen to sort of what they held as the sort of perfect cis marxist society and you listen to it and it's like after you hear it you're like who would say, I'm in, sign me up. Like, it is right. a moment. But I don't right. understand. I, I can't, yeah. remember. I
2: just wanted to, yeah, I just, yeah, I, exactly. So the, the funny story is that somehow these these guys- Oh, this before, is a great story. Um, they, these, you know, Theodore Adorno. Um, um, uh, the, the, Lukács, uh, I don't know who they Lukacs, were. Lukacs, the ones who came Horkheimer, to America. All these ones that came to America, right? In
1: California. I and I they think.
2: ended up in California, in Malibu. <laughs> and you know Malibu, and you yeah. like in the in the like early '60s, late I '50s, guess it was like
1: a paradise. You
2: know, it what probably like the happiest place in America, right? Yeah. You surfers. know, bikinis, surfers, hot dogs. You know, <laughs> right? The American expression in full form. And, and I don't know how they got there, but they were there, and they they were like in this house together, and they were wearing all these dark suits while you know everybody's running around in bikinis and you know bathing suits. And And they they were were miserable, they were completely miserable. And this this like fueled them. They couldn't take it that all these people were happy when they could where they could be signing up with their brand of, you know, complete and and, uh, unending misery, you know, of Marxism. They just this is how deeply lost these people were you know, so there they are in Malibu, you know, they they wouldn't even like, you know, take the jacket off, you know, 85 degrees in the summer.
1: You can just have a mental picture
2: of that, right? You know, so that's, that's the nature of these people. They're so, so lost and indoctrinated. Um, But I think you,
1: go ahead, you would you were to the list.
0: Sort of what they,
2: yeah,
1: yeah, well, this is what really, when we were doing the research, we've been doing it a couple of years now, but when I first came across this, I was like, holy moly. This is actually a bullet point list of how they planned to take down Western civilization and the United States being the epitome of that you know, mm-hmm. expression in modern times. But uh, these were the strategies of Theodore Adorno and Walter Benjamin. Okay. Anti-authoritarianism, organized pessimism. As as I speak, just form a mental picture in your mind of how you see that playing out today in our, across the realms of our society. So organized pessimism, atonal music, abstract expressionism, destroy the uplift and the sublime in art.
2: Destroy it. Just quickly, yeah, abstract expression, of course, now everyone knows it was a CIA op. Mm -hmm. They were promoting, you know, they were promoting this this American art, this American art in the 50s. I mean, they were straight funded by the CIA um and you know articles put into magazines and thing like to create something that you know most people who have an aesthetic sense would just to create a design for at.
0: something that's so despicable but then people with an aesthetic sense were made to feel like they're like a, a dimwit because they don't understand the oh, I know.
2: right oh yeah I know. and in order <laughs> to understand right in order to understand you had to read these guys, Herbert Marcuse and all the rest of them, you got to read them so you can understand the depth and profundity of, of you know, of a toilet bowl you know, in MoMA.
1: You have to abandon your humanity in order to get to the level of understanding. Mon- I, I'm sorry. I know I'm offending some people who love modern art. I have a friend who, you know, she, I think she bristles every time I talk about <laughs> modern art, but I'm sorry. It's soul deadening. I don't see and I you know I had a relationship actually with a woman who was the wife of Franz Klein who was one of the um, modern artists in the 1950s and Klein's work was you know it was exhibited at the National Gallery and what have you but I just I'm sorry it has no place in my world so that's the destruction of the uplift and the sublime in art. Expel the moral from politics. So there's no morality to be seen in politics. It's it's a pig's breakfast, no. right? And it goes. They don't
2: even give lip service to it anymore. Yeah.
1: Focus on appearances. So everything's superficial. Mm-hmm. Estrangement effect. And then there's a German word that maybe at some point i tried try to uh, articulate, but it's very challenging so estrangement effect so uh, we're all estranged from our upbringing from the moral code that we were raised with and estranged from our relatives and friends
2: and ourselves
0: and ourselves and our elders and our elders they call boomers now yeah yeah it's great to say that's a really
1: good point thanks for bringing that up yeah well i remember
2: right boomers peter kingsley was talking about how all like the new agers gravitate towards native american elders because they have no elders in their own I and mean, the, even the elders right. that we have you know are are not well know, my friend diana she says we
0: have a lot of elders but right. very few elders
2: right right mm.
0: right yeah. it's tragic it is it's tragedy. tragedy
2: so yeah so we're, we're 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 trying to be moving into that space
1: uh, demoralize the audience Mm-hmm. And with brutality, really. This it's a brutal. It's a form of brutalism in theater and art. Um, create aimless anger, and you see that in Antifa and Black Lives Matter. The Man. average teenager. Yeah.
2: Um, right. And and me at
1: times. They were sixteen. Well, no, it's
2: not aimless. <laughs> it's focused.
1: And here's an interesting one: the mechanical reproduction of art. When you are in the presence of sublime art, there, there is an interaction between the art and the human awareness of the art. And it's like, the, it's greater than the sum of its parts. And I remember going into New York City at one of the museums and we saw the pre-Raphaelite exhibit. It was transcendent. These paintings were like, floor to ceiling and you were just like dwarfed by the beauty and the magnificence of what was being portrayed by the artist and to mechanically reproduce it I'm kind of on the fence it's like well okay I do have a lot of you know mechanical reproductions like either in a beautiful Christmas card that's got a Madonna and child you know but that also allows for the art to be disrespected because where do those Christmas cards go at the end of the day? They go into the trash, and whether it's a you know a snow scene or it's a Madonna and Child, it's all lumped in together as trash, as disposable. Yeah, but yeah. but in a very disrespectful way. You know, so. and
2: also to add on to that, it's also like music. Now, mm. and this is something that mm. Theodore Adorno, who a lot of people. Th- are if you if you hear a lot of people on their podcast say that he wrote the Beatles music um which actually to me makes zero sense he doesn't have he, he doesn't have the he doesn't have you know someone whose whose focus is you know Schoenberg and atonal music um cannot do you know McCartney schmaltzy stuff or any of that, any of that have stuff the he doesn't have the swing you know I mean you know now do you want to say that the Beatles I mean look at look at the fact that they came three was it 3 weeks after Kennedy's shot they appear at Sullivan how about that you know we the, the country goes through the, the shock of um you know of of Kennedy being shot and I was I was in kindergarten I think um and then the Beatles show up like 3 weeks later um that is all Tavistockian plan all right so that's an example of how Tavistock would work Right. So, and so you, you, so it's a, you you have the, you have the trauma and then you refill it in with this, with, with, this, with this little pop band, you know, yeah. love because you people do. People are
0: more suggestible when they're in, right. well, when they're in shock, they're totally right. suggestible.
2: That's right. the point. She was just 17. You know what I mean? You know.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right, and that's
3: it's but, just but,
1: you know it's a really good point that you bring up, especially with the timing. I think it's something that's important for us to realize. We need to pay more attention to, as far as connecting dots. Yes. You look at the timing of events: what comes first, and what follows, and what allows it to come into being, where it would not have been possible before that, right? So- so I think it's important to bring that into your daily awareness when you listen to some new story that's come out you know do do look at the whole picture and not just not just part of the picture I remember one day when we were in the ashram and Guruma had uh she took the lily the flower off the altar the hoven and she said what do you see so all of us said oh we see we see a beautiful flower she said, you're not seeing, you're really not seeing because what you're not seeing is the, it, the entire rest of your sensorium. You're not seeing, a thing in itself does not exist. It exists in a context. You are seeing my hand holding it. You're seeing my body. You're seeing what I'm sitting on. You're seeing the room. You're hearing, you're smelling, you're tasting, you're touching, You're and that's all you see? So when we, when we see an event, we need to really make it a spiritual practice to see the context, Mm -hmm. the vessel within which that is being given to you. And does someone want you only to see this and not that? Is there something else going on? You don't want to be paranoid, but you want to be awake and aware and use this, use all of your senses like Peter Kingsley brought up. on. I was about home, to say you're the, going
2: to talk about common sense. The
1: very interesting if point. You about You used
2: the term before, right, common sense.
1: Mm-hmm. We've got a, a, a step-down understanding of what that phrase common sense means.
2: For Empedocles.
1: And for all of these Greek philosophers, it meant all using all of your senses in common. Mm-hmm. All of the senses
0: are brought together to make the whole. Well, that's interesting because of course, what has happened to all of us today, they've made us compartmentalized and that's what public schooling, it's all compartmentalization. Yes, Aristotelian thinking. And abstraction.
2: Yes. So you're always abstracted from from your experience and abstracted and then, so this is the the, the tyranny of thought and you can't get to the real through thought.
1: So it's abstraction and distraction. So it's like, oh, look a squirrel. And So here's something important that's coming into flower that people are beginning to notice. And the next thing you know, you get the rug pulled out from under you. Oh, look, a squirrel over there. Oh, look, somebody just murdered somebody. Oh, look. Oh, look, don't look here. Because this is where your life will flower and your humanity will flower. We don't want that.
2: Yeah, there's an innate morality in being in the moment. Ah, oh, it's beautiful.
1: Okay, dialectical potential. Well, I have no idea what that means. What you want to you want to take a shot at that? Dialectical um, potential.
2: Uh, I'm the not talking about potential, but, but that's dialectical Dialectic material. is well, um, that's what they're you know, Well, I think that's more or less keeping things separate. False I, I would I would just say instead of saying that, I would say false dichotomies, which mm-hmm. is, you know, left, right, you know, everything is a false dichotomy. Um, you know. You know, abortion versus murder. Um, there's, there's a there's so, everything we do. So the is,
1: potential that that holds for manipulation of
2: the society. Um, you know, I'm not gonna. I really don't know what they mean exactly by that. Okay. But, but that's you know everything is you know is is everything good good and evil. It's another wonderful false dichotomy, you know. Okay,
1: demythologize. Well, we've kind of covered that. Yes. Right? um childishness and infantilism this is a big oh, boy,
0: it's a big one for me That's oh you cute. too i can tell <laughs> through joy my teacher said gosh and i worked with them oh my god 16 years ago or 17 years ago he said we are living in a nation of children yes arrested development Mm-hmm. And yeah. that was also done by design. Even uh, the educator who's passed now, John Taylor Gatto, talks about that about how they 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 have elongated adolescence. <laughs> yes. Yes. Oh well, yeah. And, well, and we now remember it's,
2: the, the generation yeah. And it's, and and now it's 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 a, it's a um, particular um, sexual perversion. Oh right. You know there was um, there's a town uh, north of Asheville. We live in Asheville uh called uh, woodfin and early 2000s i think it was the police chief of woodfin was caught in a diaper ring
3: so Uh, could you repeat
2: (laughs) a diaper ring in other words it was a group of men who got off adult men these guys weren't these weren't guys weren't kids so who knows how long they're doing who would wear diapers uh, with with I guess some, some sort of uh, prostitutes and um, they and and this is what uh, particularly got them off um, oh so they would <laughs> yeah. wear diapers and maybe one of those little head things and um, and waddle around the room and and this would serve them so that's one of the most I don't know it's like one of the saddest of of, of perversions there, there are others pretty bad but then and then of course that leads into the whole child predation thing too but um but anyway so this was the police chief of Woodfin you know who's was, who was caught up in that
1: oh my infantilism at its best
2: so, so you know yeah everything ends up being a sexual perversion really in the end yes yes
1: destroy the bourgeoisie family well they're doing a really good job of that yes they, they are they are just ripping us apart uh-huh. Uh, psychological preconditioning. So you're, you're preconditioned to accept certain new ideas that are not in your best interest. Education,
2: you know, running it through the education system. Yeah.
0: And Hollywood. Yeah, you know, um, and all the books. I, yeah. I have to quickly tell you that one of my clients is a teacher in Texas, and she wrote me maybe four years ago to say that she bought all these beautiful fairy tale books from a library that got rid of all the mm-hmm. children's fairy tale books, all of them. Oh, really? Yeah. Yes. 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 And we, I can
2: imagine.
1: We, yeah. Well, the libraries were yeah. the first to bring in the drag queen
2: story hour. Right. 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 We have a friend who has what she's got. Probably, i haven't heard, she's, she's she's about to have her sixth child, and she went into one of the local libraries, and all the children's books were all about transgender and and, and all this stuff for you know like five year olds, and just you know, and and she made a comment to them, look, you know, I'll bet there are other books. That don't involve this, you know, like you know, they're displayed on the display section, you know, you know, with the front covers out and instead of just the spines, you know, and 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 the person just like didn't get it.
1: She's like, oh well.
2: Oh, really? Yeah. You might, you know, all right, we'll maybe put one or two and then have some other like other books for that might be my children would be interested in. Oh, oh, I didn't really see that. You know, they're not even that's how far gone right. it is.
3: I mean,
1: Yes. Unquestioned. Well, that's why you have to question everything. Um so, okay. Impoverish aesthetics. Impoverish aesthetics? aesthetics. Impoverished, yeah. Oh, Impoverish them.
0: Yeah. I went to Parsons School of Design many moons ago. And and so, and I did interior design in New York. And and I just like we we share that like I just treasure beauty. Nature is beautiful. She's the best designer of all. Mm. So bring it inside. And so I remember. When I was living in Seattle, like, I'd go, like, sort of pass by different furniture stores, whatever, I'd be like, are those designers in a depression? Right. What's going on here? Right. (laughs) Stuff is Mm -hmm. just so ugly, and it's so depressing. So what's with all of the battleship
1: gray that's all the craze in interior design?
0: How gray, yeah, yeah, exactly. It's
1: dystopian gray, and it's everywhere. Yeah. And in the architecture, you've got the brutalism. A lot of the buildings here, the new hotels in Asheville, to me appear to be like Soviet block buildings. They yeah. are so oh, yeah. destroying.
0: Yes. I lived in Redmond, Washington, and they tore down all these kind of little kind mm. of. Str- and little one-story buildings in downtown Redmond. And they replaced them with, I called it Soviet housing. Mm
3: -hmm. And it
0: was these apartments and they're just all teeny tiny cubicles that cost a fortune. And so people live in that box. Then they go in their box, which is a car and to the little cubicle box that they work Mm -hmm. in at Microsoft Mm -hmm. or whatever.
2: Right. right. And isn't it telling? Sorry. Yeah. And they,
0: they also in downtown Redmond, they did, it's all cement with neon lights, some benches, and there's a big sign that says downtown park. And I'm like, yeah, they had to put a sign. Because no <laughs> one would ever think there was a dark uh, a downtown park. No. And oh, by the way, along with the ugliest sculpture. Oh. Mm. sculpture right? Like oh, it's, it's
3: astonishing.
0: it just deadens you. You just look at it. You don't even look at it because you don't even notice it.
1: I think we have a rival of that in Asheville and it's by the federal building. And it looks to me now, the more I think about it, like an archon it is Mm. disgusting it is so bad it's just I don't know if it's iron or metal or steel or what it's made of but it's looming it's huge towers above you it could take like a human form like legs and arms Mm. and a torso I don't know. It's like a,
2: it's like a an iron rate or something so like that. It's so bad.
1: It's so bad. Yeah. And it's on federal land there, and by the federal building.
2: And so, someone paid for it.
0: This is just very important for those who are still listening <laughs> to grasp. Right. That, we haven't. <laughs> I mean, that. I like to. Think that, I like to think that you know people who follow my work are are pretty intelligent. I mean, if they're interested in what, you know, I have to say they know I'm. I sort of don't jibe with uh, the general narrative, that's for sure. But in other words, to understand that, you know, there's a cause of all this this garbage we're experiencing. There is a cause behind this. And it's so important to understand, because, of course, when I work with clients and they tell me what's going on in their life, to me, I'm like, okay, that's symptomatic. Let's reverse engineer that back to the cause. So we can address the cause, and and this is the same thing here, and in, in terms of understanding, how did we get here? Yes. How did we get here? What like this is bananas, and so this is so helpful.
2: Yeah, I think it is. You can't. You yes. can't you it's know, not happy. You making, can't wish but... it away.
0: No, you can't, and you, you cannot know. solve it if you won't look at it. Oh, this is my
1: lament.
2: Right. So this is this is the issue. So all you can do, you know, we or we try to do, is to. You know, into as the I Ching says, you can't um, you can't go uh, go against evil on its own terms. All right? right, you can only make, and the quote is, in the Wilhelm translation, energetic progress in the good. All right, and so for us, you know, that is so that is beauty. So what's the counteracting to beauty to ugliness, institutional ugliness? You know. Make as much. You have to just generate as much beauty, beauty. as possible. That's right. um, the architectural ugliness, you know, um, you know, isn't isn't it? You know, telling that hospitals, prisons, and schools all have the exact same architecture, mm-hmm. right? Um, you know, live. Don't 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 sell. You know, I mean, it's it's hard, but don't sell your children to those to those institutions if you can. There, you know, there are people who can't. There are people who don't care. But you know, if you can, you you have to do something. You have to stand, make your life a stand against all of this, you know. And that's and that's and the dominance from that side is is on every angle, you know. But you still have but you have the final angle, which is the one inside us. That's the last one that they can't touch and they can never touch. If you know, well, unless unless
0: people submit to being chipped and then right. you're fucked.
2: Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's the point, you know, so we're at that, you know, sometimes they call it tipping point, whatever, Mm -hmm. you know, we're at that uh, that crisis point because we're in the turning, we are, in my opinion, anyway, we're in the turning of ages and we're turning of several ages. We're turning of we're in the turning of the American empire, which is one age we are in the turning of of the uh, astrological clock from from, you know, into the age of Aquarius. Right, and then and then we are at the turn of the twenty six thousand year clock, so we're so we're in the midst of three really huge, um, interlocking cycles, and what's next is heavily dependent on the clarity that some of us bring to what's now,
0: because the stakes are high. No and sense. this is why this stuff has been planned for so long, and they mm-hmm. had to get the people slow, it's slow-boiled frog, to mm-hmm. get people just this side of ignorant, as the, you were using that word earlier, Chris, so that they wouldn't even see what's coming. And and this is the thing. I always say spells, and this is a, a big, dark magic spell. This is is probably the biggest spell ever. Um, but they only work if you believe in them. Yes. And this is why I stress, if you have eyes to see, then you can see, Ah, oh, that's social engineering or you're manipulating me or you know you know your logical fallacies, this kind of thing, your maxims, all of this, then it doesn't work because you nice. can see and then you can laugh in the faces of these right, right. clever fools.
2: Right. And even, you know, so for example, this morning, I was feeling like a wave of depression. And you once you realize that these are programs sent in, whether they're written here, there, or they're written by the archons, whatever they are, their programs that come in. And when you realize that, you can dissipate or you can just say, it's gonna pass, or, you know, but that's the only way is is the recognition. It's like anything in the spiritual, anything, if you take a real spiritual path, it all involves some sort of self-reflection, watching your experience, watching your thoughts, not feeding as the as the native americans say don't feed you know the the, the dark the dark dog you know uh, feed the feed the white happy tail wagging i don't know this i forget oh how it was. oh oh I the know. wolf
1: the wolf the wolf which and a white wolf right exactly. right
2: right you're feeding one or the other in in the yoga system they call it feeding um they call they call it uh well, feeding you can feed ignorance, or you can fe- feed knowledge. Right. right, right. So when you're realizing it, you're feeding the knowledge. And again, the structure is always the same. The structure of of spirituality and in, and in, in imbuing it and um, embodying it is the same as embodying this 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 crap, this this dark view, this idea that some sort of, you know, transhuman Marxist vision is going to be the savior.
1: I'll go back to yoga. There's another yoga sutra that addresses this. Uh, Vitarka Bhadane Pratipaksha Bhavanam. So bhava is your way of becoming. It's from the root B-H-U, which means to become. It's how you are constantly becoming in the world. So you're constantly becoming. And so if you have thoughts that oppress you, cultivate their opposites. You do not try to suppress, but you make energetic progress toward the good. So you cultivate, in cultivating the opposite, that's what you're doing. If you have thoughts that are oppressive to you, cultivate their opposites.
3: Because, yeah
1: you know mm-hmm. feed the positive make energetic progress toward the good work toward beauty it's not going to change what's going on in the greater scheme of things in the greater world but in in yoga philosophy the yogi's universe is the their universe of experience it's an experiential universe not not a universe that's a concept in the mind. So you have a concept. We can't con. We don't know the universe. We don't experience, you know, outer space. We don't experience a solar system unless we're, you know, somehow involved in that world. Your universe as a yogi or a yogini is your your field of experience, your immediate field of experience. And that's what you can affect. So you can provide uplift. You can bring beauty into every aspect of your life. If you're cooking breakfast, Steve loves to do breakfast. He always makes it beautiful. The food is beautiful. The present, that's just breakfast, right? All of your implements can be beautiful. Don't accept plastic or paper napkins or paper tablecloths or whatever, whatever, whatever. Use the real genuine article. Why? Because it feeds you. Plastic is dead. It transmits nothing. Silver, on the other hand, can kill bacteria that are detrimental to you. But use genuine articles in everything and make it You want to be obsessive? Make that your obsession. Be obsessed with beauty. In your speech, don't use LOL. Uplift. Use a smile. Inspire. Use a smiley instead. (laughs) (laughs) Right? So bring it back. Revivify your linguistic acuity. Develop that as a skill, as a life skill. Using that program, right? So the language has been impoverished. I even remember in grade school, and I'm 73, so that's going way back. In In grade school, noticing that my vocabulary was different from my classmates, and I used to dumb it down.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And, then I, and then I became aware of it at some point in my life, and I was like, okay, I need to stop that. Mm-hmm. If I have, because what I would do was, A more complex word or phraseology would come into me. And then I would put it aside and use the more common parlance instead. So as to not stand out in the crowd,
2: right? And that's Mark Twain's fault. Go ahead. He wrote wrote one of his sayings that I don't like is that don't use the 25 cent word when the nickel word will do.
1: Oh, well, (laughs) maybe he was talking about sutures. He had.
2: He had. Yeah, it's a better sign.
1: Anyway, make it what you do, make it who you are, make that part of your being that everything you do uplifts and makes the world more beautiful because everything you do affects everyone around you and it has a ripple effect. So that goes out into the world. It does make a difference.
0: Beautiful. That reminds me of one of the lines from one of my poetic poetic transmission says one by one becomes most all oh perfect yeah yeah so let's finish the first hour here this is beautiful place to end and i will invite listeners who want to absorb more of this incredible wisdom from my friends the crimmies To join us at themushroomsapprentice.com and you can subscribe. It's $8 a month. So that's probably a Starbucks coffee and you will be able to listen to the second hour. So, all right. And in the second hour, we're going to get into Tavistock. We're going to get more into what you you were exploring, Mm -hmm. Steve. And and also, Chris, you're going to talk about a series of events that happened in 1947 and, and the interesting timing of all of that. So there's a lot, lot more to explore and we'll see you all in the second hour.
2: Thanks, Shona. Very good.